When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. Corey, college football is back, man. Oh, man. It's game week. It's like it never left, right? We, we left in, you know, January, and it's almost like it never it, it never went away because, and we'll get to this in the third segment, because Nebraska football was back, and then it wasn't, and it just literally only took four quarters in Dublin, Ireland. But at the same time, they're the second best team in the country they were playing in, although there are only two <laughs> teams. But let's get to Penn State, Corey. Penn State goes on the road in four short days. They go at th- on a Thursday to Purdue, well, the Boilermakers. Camp it sounds over. dangerous. Pete preseason is over. We get to talk. Hey, look, I want to say, first of all, I appreciate all the Penn State fans who have been listening to our podcasts all off season for the last seven months, really. I mean, we've been doing this every week, Jared. And uh, uh, it's, I, we, we've talked about a lot of different things, non-football or non, you know, Penn State football specific, a lot of topics and stories. Just wanted to say thank you to everybody for, li- now we get to talk football. We're going to break down football, what we like, what we don't like. What I really like about Penn State as we sit here, you know, on, on a Sunday morning for people listening to this is, there is a lot of talent in this program. They have recruited well. They developed their talent well physically, physically speaking, not X's and O's, not James Franklin, not decisions. Physically speaking, the Penn State football team has damn good football players. They do. There's no question about that. If they're talented, they're going to be in just about every game because they are they have good physical specimens who are good football players. Now, they will lose games, obviously, for a myriad reasons that we will talk about. But that's what I like the most, Jared, about Penn State. Is you, you think they're going they're, – I mean, they're going to be favorites in probably all but maybe two games this year, maybe three. They will not be favorites against Ohio State. Well, they will not be favorites against Michigan. Probably underdogs against Auburn. So, you, you still got to figure there, there's a lot to like. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, they have talent, right? They have everything, you know, that you're looking for um on paper but it's just putting that all together on the field they're going to be in games they're going to be favorited i mean i I think ohio state is probably the game where they're not going to be the favorite they might not be you know by by the time it's all said and done the favorite in auburn but again the talent is there it's just getting that to happen on the field they've got a 17th year senior in sean clifford 
you know, we, we joke all the time, but he's been around the block for a time or two. Um, and it's just one of those things, but, uh, it, you know, it, it, you have to go out and you play and you have to go out and, and execute. And if you're able to go out and execute, man, they should be able to take care of business. Should be, but they went seven and six last year and four and five the year before. And they had all these guys drafted to the NFL. What I like about Sean Clifford is we've talked about this repeatedly. If you give him a running game, I think he can be a pretty good college quarterback, at least good enough to win games. We saw it in 2019. If he doesn't have a running game, he's not good enough, and this is going to be a bad season. But everybody keeps wondering, is Sean Clifford capable of a Kenny Pickett type of season? I just don't think so, but I do think he can be better than he's been the last couple of years. So how much better uh, year two with Mike Harrison? We just don't know. But when we're talking about things that we like about Penn State, we do have to mention Sean Clifford because he is a veteran. He has seen it all. He has played at the Horseshoe. He has played at Camp Randall. He's played in, in, in a Cotton Bowl. He's, play, he's played in all these big games. Nothing is going to phase the guy in terms of it being intimidated. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, can he make the throws? That, that's always been the issue with Sean Clifford, and we're going to find out, you know, especially in week one and, and in week three. Right. And that's the thing, you know, there aren't very many places that have the type of experience Sean Clifford has. That's great. And and you mentioned it and and it's excellent because guess what? I mean, he's been, he's done it all bowl games, big games at home on the road. He's going to be prepared. And yeah, I think that the biggest thing for Penn state is they need to establish the run. They need to establish it early. If they can establish some dominance up front, I think they're going to be a really, really hard team to beat because if you can open up that run game, that's going to open up the pass game. And that's just going to be able to let, allow them to play complementary football. And that's something that they just really haven't been able or capable of doing in quite some time. And uh, especially the last two years, they just have not played good complementary football. We'll talk a lot about this in the segment, second segment when we break down the game. The good news is Purdue's defense is not real good. The bad news is Purdue's passing game is really good. How will all that translate again? We'll get into more of that later on. But if Penn State can run the ball, I had a buddy of mine shoot a shout out to Joe Lodnowski from the PA Sports Network. He asked me a great question on his radio show, Jared. He said, what if Penn State shocks the world, goes out and runs for 220 yards against Purdue? Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I, you know, I don't know if anybody really thinks that's realistic. But what if they do? What if Penn State can actually run the ball? When we're talking about these best-case scenarios of 10 wins – and Kirk Herbstreit calling them the, the biggest sleeper in the country, that's what has to happen. They must be up, not for 220 yards, but they must be able to run the ball 150, 170. If Penn State can run the ball for a buck 70 most weeks, now we're talking about a different scenario. It was 108 a game last year, and, and Sean Clifford can be a different quarterback and different expectations for Sean Clifford. If big, 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 gigantic Empire State Building sized if. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the biggest two letter word in the in the dictionary, right? If, right? There's so many things that could happen. I mean, we saw that at Iowa last year, right? And then of course, Taquan Roberson starts for UConn today, uh, and UConn poor does guy, crazy things. How, why, why you gotta be so mean? Mentioning the guy in our first segment, he got hurt with a knee injury. Poor guy. I, 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 that's that's tough, man. 
yeah, and that, and that's a shame. You know, UConn, I think, um, obviously he goes in there as a game one starter, um, and that's great for him. You know, he he had the talent. Obviously, he was at Penn State for a reason, but right. but alas, you know, Sean Clifford is Sean Clifford, and he's the one constant that they've had, um, and that you can take that a lot of different ways too. Hey, as we close up this first segment, I'm going to have a really good personal insight kind of story about Sean Clifford uh, Sunday night, Monday morning on DK Pittsburgh sports. I talked to him. We talked to him a lot about personal stuff off the field, his future goals. I can be as critical as Sean Clifford on the field as anybody. Uh, He is a human being. He is not just number 14. In fact, I asked him, how do you feel about just being looked at as number 14? You know, so we're going to have a good story on that probably seven, eight o'clock Sunday night. Check that out. It's, it's a lot of good stuff. Excellent. So we're going to get into the game itself when we come back here on the We Are Podcast in the second segment on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pugar. And Corey, again, it is game week. And Penn State is heading to Indiana. They're heading to Purdue, which, again, they start on the road for what seems like the millionth time in a row in Big Ten play. But it's that's not going to be an easy place to play on the first game of the season. Uh, and by the way, I will be there. Uh, I'll be traveling. The plan is to travel to every Penn State road game uh, this year, including Auburn. So I'm looking forward to that, to getting back out on the road. Um, it's just interesting because Purdue is I, – I, I just get a feeling that that program is going to get a, a – that Purdue program is going to be so hyped up, so hyper-focused for this game. I just pulled up a box score from uh, 2018 when Purdue destroyed Ohio State. Ohio State was number two. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback. Rest in peace. Purdue beat them 49-20 to out there. Purdue can do this every now and then. does, Does Purdue have the talent of Penn State? No. Absolutely not. There's no question. No one in their right mind 
would say that Purdue has more talent than Penn State. But football is, is a game that's not necessarily about talent. Home field advantage means a massive amount in football. And when, when you go on the road to play a team that this is their damn season, man. This game is so huge for both teams. If Penn State can win this game, hey, we can start talking about Penn State winning 10 games. If, right. if, if Purdue wins this game, then Purdue has a massive springboard. So that's what is fascinating to me. It's just about which, you know, which, what, is the, what is the mindset of the, or the players on both of these teams? Is Penn State going to be ready for just how much this means to Purdue? Yeah, and I think, you know, you got to be able to withstand that. But if there's a team and a quarterback ready to go, I think it's Sean Clifford, right? You know, we talk about his experience, his longevity. The only person I think that can rival that in the Big Ten is Aiden O'Connell, who is Purdue's quarterback. And, you know, it's just one of those situations where you've got experience behind under center or in shotgun, whichever you prefer. Um, so you've got that, which I think is good on both sides. But I think Penn State's got the horses. They've got the dogs. They've got what the, what it takes, you know, for, for O'Connell and Purdue. This was beginning of the season last year. I think it's a different story because he had his studs, right? He had David Bell, who's off to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Milton Wright is accidentally eligible. And, and Jackson Anthrop is, you know, the next level too. So, you know, when you look at it on paper, Penn State's got it all. But one of the issues with Penn State is they let teams linger. Um, I think this has every, every inclination. If you remember – when Penn State played Illinois a couple of years ago on a Friday night, I think it's going to start close. And I think Penn State should and well could and should pull away. But again, this is right now Purdue's Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to make one game bigger than the other, but it's a Thursday night. That campus is going to be lively. And, you know, it's going to be in prime time. And that's not a lot. There's not a lot of primetime games that happen at Purdue. So you got Penn State coming in their national, their national team, like a national power team, and you got to come ready. And Penn State's got to be able to withstand that initial surge, that initial rush. And if they if they're able to do that from Purdue, and and really take the crowd out of it early, I think it's going to be Penn State pretty easily. But that's the problem with James Franklin and Penn State. What what gives you any indication? that they're going to go out there and start fast. Why would you, even during the 2016 season, why would you? Why would anybody in their right mind have any confidence whatsoever that Penn State's going to go out there and play great in the first half? Right. Why? Well, in 2016, they, they you could have just tuned in anybody. in the second half. Right. Well, right, right. You could so, just tune in in the second half at most of the Penn State games lately. Well, that's when they make all their adjustments. Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. We don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's the beauty of the new season. We have no idea what to expect. Well, you I hope up, they come out early and, and start that to have that success. However, if they don't, it could be a long night for the Navy as, Lions. As you, you you brought up David Bell, you brought up Wright. Okay, I'm going to throw this out. Jared's a, Jared's coached high school football. I, I have not, so I'm going to get you. I think it's easier to replace receivers than anybody else. Yes. So because you you can find dudes catch the ball, you, you can find dudes that can catch the ball. David Bell was special. There's no question. You're Purdue. You're the cradle of quarterbacks. Purdue has sent many, 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 many quarterbacks to the NFL over the course of, uh, of their, their great passing uh, history. You can find guys to catch the ball. Purdue can't run the ball. That's the issue. Purdue traditionally has, I mean, has been okay every now and then running, but, but last year they didn't run the ball at all. Typically speaking, this is just in generality, 
if you are a one-dimensional offense, Penn State's going to kick your ass. Okay? If you if you cannot run the ball, Penn State's generally Penn State's defense is generally going to kick your ass because Penn State has the athletes. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. They they've always got the good defensive linemen. They rotate 8 and 10 guys on the defensive line. They're fresh in the third and fourth quarter on the defensive line. It's linebacker you, for God's sake. We've seen superstars at linebacker. And while they've not always been great in the secondary, they've had that kind of bend but don't break style in the secondary. That's traditional, Jared. So, But this year, I don't really – I mean, we, we hear a lot about Adisa Isaac. We hear a lot about Chop Robinson. Chop Robinson had a nice freshman year at Maryland last year. By no means was he a star. Nick Tarburton is a nice player. By no means do I think that he is going to be Carl Nassib, okay? The linebackers are a big question. And while Joey Porter and, and Daquan Hardy and Jair Brown, I, I think, are out, can be outstanding in the, in the secondary, I think Purdue's going to throw – I think Purdue's going to throw for close to, if not more than 400 yards in this game because they cannot run the ball. I don't think they're going to even try to help run the ball, Jared. So, to me, what this comes down to is can Penn State's defense – stop them in the red zone, even if they give up a ton of passing yards, even if they give up 24, 27 points, can Penn State's defense come up with the one or two big stops that they need to get? Well, I think that's one of the biggest question marks is Penn State's defense. Um, we don't know what we're going to see under Manny Diaz, right? We've, we've experienced the Brent Pry defense from, from before the bend don't break, but uh, how aggressive is Manny Diaz going to be on the road in week one? Because, again, this is a conference opponent. You don't want to show all of your eggs this week. Right, you want to have enough in the playbook and in, enough installed to not have to get into the, the depth of your playbook and, and the gadget plays and the other things that you're going to be pulling out against Ohio State, against Michigan, against Michigan State uh, for the prestigious Land Grant Trophy. But you know, what are you going to see from Manny Diaz? And I think that's one of the most intriguing things too is how aggressive is is he going to be allowed to to be? I, I do think Purdue is going to throw the ball. Um, so you're hoping that Jaya Brown is going to be able to, 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 to turn the ball over and, or, and get for some turnovers. But again, you know, they're going to give up a lot of yards. And I think a lot of that's based on the volume of the throws. Uh, cause I think, you know, O'Connell's going to come out and throw 35 to 40 times. And when you throw 35, 40 times at six, seven, eight, ten 10 yards a pop, it's going to add up. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how Penn State handles that. Um, what kind of pressures they dial up knowing that, hey, guess what? This team is not going to run the football. So you drop maybe four, five, six in coverage and then rush the rest or or however, however many Diaz plans to do it. But it'll be interesting to see how that aspect of it plays out too. Again, he does not have David Bell or Wright, his receivers. In his last game in the bowl game, he threw for 534 yards, Aiden O'Connell against Tennessee, threw 47 times. Against Northwestern, he threw for 423 yards. Against Michigan State, which had a god-awful secondary that everybody exposed except for Penn State, Aiden O'Connell threw for 536 yards. By the way, he also completes 70% of his passes. He is going to throw the ball accurately. They are going to get yards. Will they get some turnovers? Now, one thing is, he threw 28 TDs last year, but he also threw 11 interceptions. Jair Brown is excellent at, at, at uh, hawking the ball. Six picks last year. Daquan Hardy, I think, will have a good shot. I think they're going to be a nickel a lot 
so which means we're going to see a lot of Daquan and Hardy and maybe one less sec one less linebacker. So there is a chance we we know what we're going to get from Purdue, and I think we know what we're going to get from Penn State's defense. It's just will they give up the big play? Will 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 Aiden O'Connell throw thirty eight times or fifty three times? You see what I'm saying? If he throws yeah. if he throws thirty eight times for three seventy five, Penn State probably wins the game. Really, realistically, if he throws my God, 53 times for 480 yards, well, then maybe Purdue wins the game. And so that's because I just don't think Purdue's going to be able to run the ball. I, and, and if they can't, then, you know, they're going to score points, but Penn State's offense is also going to score points against, against Purdue's defense. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, that, that's going to happen. You know, looking back at historically, you know, when, when Penn State and Purdue played last in 2019, uh, O'Connell – was on the roster, of course, and played one one for one with a four yard completion. Penn State won thirty five to seven. Sean Clifford, um, twenty to twenty nine, two hundred sixty four yards, three touchdowns in it. That in Penn State team could run the ball. That Penn yeah, right. State that was two thousand nineteen. You know, Noah Kane ran for one hundred five yards. Noah Kane's not on the roster anymore. Devin Ford threw for or ran for thirty eight. Uh, Journey Brown twenty one yards. Sean Clifford even threw, ran for for forty seven. Uh, so you know, when you're getting that type of play. That's a good thing, you know. And that that 2019 team was pretty good. They obviously went on to win the Cotton Bowl, but again, that 2019. But that's how long these guys have been around with Clifford and O'Connell, and there is value in having experience there. And that's I think what's going to make the difference, um, because those guys have played played these games before. But again, it's going to be a Thursday night. It's the beginning of September. It's the beginning of the season. These teams are going to come ready, and Penn State's got to be able to withstand that initial surge from Purdue because this game is going to be electric. This, they are going to have a good time in that stadium, and that's what's going to make the what's going to make the difference in the game, in my opinion, especially for the first week. Let's go ahead and give our picks, and I'm going to go first, Jeff. I don't know if you've got a score just yet. I've already I've already given a score, so I can give mine right off the top of my head. I'll give you a minute or two to think about what kind of score. This is a, an absolute toss-up game to me. The, this game is a toss-up game for Penn State, which will be a season-shaping kind of game for Penn State. I'm on the record with picking Penn State 7-5. and five. I do not trust Penn State's defense against a quarterback who can throw for four or 500 yards in week one on the road. I just don't. They lost an All-American in Japan Brisker. They lost an All-American edge rusher in – Arnold Ebicady. I don't think they have anybody on the team as good as Arnold Ebicady. I don't think they have anybody on the team as good as Jaquan Brisker. And so I think that I think Purdue's offense is going to really move the ball. I do think Penn State's offense is going to move the ball. I got a higher scoring game. Overtime would not surprise me at all. But I picked Purdue 32 to 29, Jared. Penn State is favored by three and a half points. If you like the number, that's a good number. I, I would definitely take Purdue. I'd buy it up to four, by the way, just in case they beat you with a late touchdown, you know, uh, uh, and, and they beat you by four. I'd buy Purdue up to four, probably get them at 120, 125. Uh, but as of right now, uh, Penn State is minus three and a half. Um, and I'm going to take Purdue not only to win outright, but certainly to cover. Uh, and I'm going to go 32, 29. See, I got uh, Penn State 38, uh, 38, 28. And the reason why I have that is I think Penn State's able to establish the run. I'm not quite sure what defenses are going to be shown. I think they're still going to be pretty vanilla um, and not really get too far out of the base packages. Um, either team, 
Uh, because it's week one, you you don't want to show all of your cards knowing that you still have a million games left of the season. But I think, you know, they, they come out and Penn State is able to establish the run, um, obviously force Purdue into situations where they have to throw it. And I think, you know, they, they bend, don't break there uh, and, and have some options as well. But I think Sean Clifford's experience is second to none. Uh, and I think they end up coming up, they coming up uh, victorious with that 38-28 victory. Would you say um, you're, they would get a couple turnover, key turnovers there? I mean, 28 points is a lot of points to give up. Right. If Penn State yeah, I think, wins, would you say it's because of, in, in large part because of turnovers? Absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, defensively, is this is – you know, we, we always talk about individuals. Like last year we talked about Epichetti. Um, we talk about Micah Parsons uh, in years past. But – and Brisker and, and guys like that. But this is, I think, a great opportunity for Penn State to emphasize team defense over one individual player. Uh, and I think when you have that, right. I think that's a dangerous situation. Yeah, I, I like that. Way, in a good way. I, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good – because we. I think Joey Porter is a really good player. I, I think I think Jair Brown could be the best player on, on the defense. But that's a good point, Jared, about the team defense, the team philosophy. I just worry in game one – Manny Diaz's first game there, it, it, my, my concern is that they're not, they're just not going to have everything clicking at the same time for week for, for a veteran quarterback who is used to throwing the ball a ton. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's fair. And I also think it's on the same, same token, Purdue is not going to be completely ready. I think they're going to be ready to play, but I don't think that they're going to be fully ready you know, as far as certain things go and like they would be if this game was in the regular and deeper into the season, but it's week one or zero or however you want to say it. And football games have already been played, which is great too. And we'll talk about that here a little bit later in the, in the third segment. But again, it's game one. You just don't know what to expect from either team, but Ross aid stadium is going to be a, incredible atmosphere i think on thursday night for the nittany lions uh, i can't wait i'll be there we'll have our live file up we go to dk pittsburgh sports comment throughout i'm going to be making comments throughout uh it should be a lot of fun i'm very much jared and i were at the indiana game to start 2020 crazy two-point conversion game but i haven't traveled a lot on the road since then uh, looking forward to getting back out on the road, and, and that sh- that hey, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, win or lose, I got Purdue by three. Penn State could go out and win by four, seven, ten. What a, I, I do think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, and I think you know, I, like I said, I think it's going to be a ten point game with Penn State coming out on top. So Corey and I are going to keep track, like we do every year. Uh, winner is going to get dinner. Um, I think I know I still owe Corey dinner from last year. I, it, some point we have to you're gonna owe me a dinner on our young bucks podcast because you still got bubba chandler pitching and hitting when he gets a double a there ain't no way in hell that's happening my man essentially i'm going to be paying for Corey's dinner for a long time there is no way way bubba chandler is going to remain a two-way player jared he 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 is a pitcher and that is how they are going to grow but that's that's for another podcast (laughs) right that's for another podcast while dinner is cooking We're going to get to the third segment here after this short break on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Geiger and Frugar. Corey, college football started Saturday. Lots of interesting games. None that piqued my fancy. Quite like watching Scott Frost get outcoached once again. Uh, this time it was across the pond in Ireland where they lose to Northwestern and Pat, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald. So Nebraska isn't quite back in the country yet, nor are they back in college football either. Nebraska will never, ever be back on a consistent basis to what it was for decades and decades. Nebraska really was a phenomenal program in college football history for a long, long time. They did it a certain way with those corn-fed linemen and a running game and in the Big 8 conference. I do not believe, Jared, that Nebraska, as a member of the Big Ten, will ever be a major factor in college football over the course of a long period. They might have a year or two here or there. But Scott Frost pisses me the hell off. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here. Um, I don't like coaches that do and say a bunch of stupid shit. All right? And what Scott Frost said about 15 or 20 players vomiting in practice epitomizes stupid shit. Now, he walked it back a little bit and said he was exaggerating. And that's fine. Don't embarrass. Don't, be, don't downplay the significance of players vomiting in practice because you're a, you're some Neanderthal friggin' football guy that thinks that you've got to be vomiting to prove that you're tough. That's effing outrageous. And I, look, I don't wake up to get offended every day. Some people wake up in the morning and they're looking to be offended by any damn thing. I'm not offended by almost anything except for other people who are offended by stuff. But I was offended by what Scott Frost said. Uh, and I'm glad they lost because you know, that just really – guys, the kids have died. High school and college football players have died over the last 10, 15, 20 years from dehydration and all that stuff. And to belittle that with 10 or 15 vomiting, that is absolutely so idiotic and stupid that some college football coach would think that it's okay in 2022 to say stupid shit like that. I'm glad they lost. I hope he gets fired. And, look, I have no doubt in my mind that he is a terrible coach there. But ultimately, I just don't think Nebraska is the kind of program that's ever going to get back to where it was back in the day. There, rant, rant over, Jared. <laughs> Corey, I love it. I love it when you're fired up, just like you loved it when I was on your radio show, fired up um, on Friday. I've never heard you more fired up than talking Altoona Holidaysburg High School football. That was that's great. Right. The Mountain Lions won, too. That's all that matters. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, as a coach, to come out and say that um, – and you say that like it's a term of endearment, like that's bullshit. Hey, Jared, you're a high school coach. I mean, seriously, traditionally, co football coaches, they wear it as a badge of honor that their kids are so unbelievably tough and all. But it, you got to get to, you got to, you got to understand the, the, today's athletes, man. Forcing these kids to puke does not show toughness. In fact, it shows pretty blatant stupidity and disregard. For the, for the health and safety of players, right? No coach wants to, at least that I've experienced lately, he wants to make kids puke. That's not the goal here. That doesn't show anything other than the fact that you might be pushing them too hard. Um, like these are human beings. People have died based on, you know, overexertion. 
But then to come out and say, oh, the coach is doing this. And then, you know, after the game, he throws his coaches under the bus. Like, why would you want to show up and work for this clown? Right. Including Mark Whipple. Pat Narduzzi pit yeah. coach threw Mark, Whip, Mark Whipple under the bus uh, a few weeks ago. And Scott Frost threw Mark Whipple under the bus saying their offensive coach has got to get a little bit more creative. He's 15 and 30 at Nebraska. So, again, I, I, I just. Yeah, it's definitely not Whipple's fault. Yeah. Um, they gave up 530 yards. And, by the way, Scott Frost had one of the dumbest damn coaching decisions you'll ever see with an onside kick up 28-17. Nebraska never recovered from that. It gave Northwestern great field position. Northwestern punches it in, goes on to win the game 31-28. That's a terrible decision by Scott Frost. Don't be blaming other coaches because you blew the game. Right. You got There's accountability. But, you know, looking at some of the other games around the around the country – you know, that we experienced Saturday, and I love it, man. Duquesne went down to Florida State, lost by 40. Um, I obviously, as a Robert Morris guy, I don't like Duquesne. How much uh, money did they get? I'm going to try to Google it. We know how much money Duquesne paid I would Florida imagine State it's at least six, six figures, maybe closer to seven, um, and I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Uh, then you got, like, Utah State beat UConn, <laughs> um, and that, unfortunately, is because of, of Roberson's injury. Um you know, Western Kentucky played Austin P. My man, Corey, do you remember back in the day, back in the early 2000s, Timmy Chang was lighting it up at Hawaii? Do you remember that name, Timmy yes, Chang? Yes, absolutely, yep. He is now the, the head football coach at Hawaii. They're, as we're recording, they're playing Vanderbilt in the 9,500-seat stadium at Hawaii where – you know, where St. Francis basketball is going to be playing at Hawaii this season. <laughs> but, that, but the high school stadium, we mentioned uh, Altoona Hollingsburg, the, the stadium that Altoona plays in Mansion Park, hosts 10,000 seats. That's right. Has 10,000 seats. And they were all filled Friday night for Altoona Hollingsburg, a big rivalry game. Stop you know. talking high school football. But, hey, by the way. But, but I'm trying to put this in perspective. But in Hawaii, their stadium holds 9,500 people. So great? these 9,500 people are seeing right now as we speak Hawaii – up over Vanderbilt, it's still the first quarter because Hawaii Who? is – but I love it. I love it. Timmy Chang is the head coach, man. I'm getting Who? old. Jared, who has not stayed up late at night to watch some freaking Hawaii football? And me College football after dark. At, at midnight or one – it's your last game of the week of Saturday. I do this again a lot with basketball, too. I'll stay up and watch Hawaii late in some of these uh, tournaments and everything. It's your last game of the night. I do want to throw out, by the way, this is great. <laughs> Florida State was favored by 41 and a half over Duquesne. Duquesne lost by 40. The Dukes covered. So if you had the, yes. if you had the Dukes plus 41 and a half, go, go, go cash your winner, winner, chicken dinner. Not only can Florida State not spell, but they also allow Duquesne to cover. I got to mention one other thing. This happened on Saturday, all right? So, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, I know exactly where you're heading. And, I, and I'll just kind of let that linger for a second because Jim Harbaugh is such a kook. So Jim Harbaugh is going to start one quarterback in week one. Instead of just deciding on who your starting quarterback is, he's, he's going to start one quarterback in week one. And then he's going to start a different quarterback in week two. They're going to gauge it then. And then they're going to decide who the quarterback is for week three going on forward. For week one, they play Colorado State. Week two, they play you're fighting Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. But see, here's the thing. I, I do like when people think outside the box. And 
kind of like the kind of like the, the 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 closer in baseball when you pitch a reliever in the first inning. Sometimes bizarre, weird thinking, you know, can be can be different. It can be very very interesting, and it can pay off. And I'm not necessarily saying that maybe in the future we might not see more of this, but I just think it shows bad leadership. If your coaches can't decide who the quarterback is through spring, summer, and preseason camp, then your coach has got a problem. And I think it shows bad leadership within a program. And, you know, I I got a lot of issues with the way Harbaugh does things because he's such a quack. Uh, But, (laughs) hey, you know, he's doing this. Uh, pretty fascinating, I guess. He is a wild man. Like, like it is. The, he is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, if it's not the khakis, it's something stupid like having a sleepover with a recruit, or this situation, or just saying some off the wall type of stuff. But I mean, I guess the good thing is, is Colorado State and Hawaii, I guess, could be considered pretty similar um Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy um two experienced quarterbacks but the best part about this is the fact that he released a statement saying this not that he came out in a press conference on Tuesday that's like, right yeah Dave the, the University of Michigan football program yeah made this sta- made a statement like it's got a graphic, it's got everything, and they don't even release a depth chart out there. Michigan <laughs> no. doesn't even do a depth <laughs> chart, and they're talking about this stuff. Like I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And like, let me read this to you because it's just so worth it, right? We have made a decision. Is how this reads. Both quarterbacks have played great, done everything they could have, and in every way to win the starting job. Coming out of camp, I just feel that we have two quarterbacks, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, that we feel very confident that that we can win a championship with either of those two behind center. Number one, got to get through Ohio State, which is something he has not been able to do uh, with any type of regularity or at all. Um, It's a great thing for our team, but there's only one ball and only one quarterback can be out there at a time. So we're not ready to say who that starting quarterback is, but the decision that we have made is Cade McNamara will start the opener against Colorado State. J.J. McCarthy will start the second ball game against Hawaii. And then after week two, we will make a decision going into week three on the starter and backup. I'll say this. Uh, it would be interesting covering Michigan football. We all have stories we got to write. And, you know, it, it's easy to come up with 20 or 30 stories a year because, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to do something wacky. Uh, <laughs> not to say that James Franklin, I mean, doesn't do unusual things. And we can question James Franklin, the coach. But I will say this. James Franklin generally doesn't say a lot of stupid shit. James Franklin generally doesn't bring – look, we can we can poke holes in James Franklin's resume and other things, but James Franklin generally doesn't lose sight of, of keeping the focus on the football and not on him. Yeah, I mean, the good thing, for, for I guess, for Michigan is that everybody's talking about Harbaugh and not the fact that they don't know what the hell they're doing yet. Um, but, again, with their schedule, man, they don't need to know what they're doing. Um, they have obviously Colorado State, Hawaii. Then they get into UConn. UConn. And I mean, Maryland. I I do have some respect for Colorado State as a program. They could do yeah. some things here and there, but Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn—that's their non-con. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love it. I, and then Maryland. Um, <laughs> I guess that could be considered another um non-conference game week four. Um, Penn State's schedule runs circles around that. 
Yeah. But Corey, I know in the media we're not technically, you know, every this is not a work is a working press box. Please no cheering, whatever. Every game at Penn State, every game across the country. But I like to root. I don't necessarily like to root for teams. Well, what's a team that you like to to watch whenever you get a chance? Because I know you know with Penn State schedule, a lot of times we're not able to watch a lot of football. But what's a team that you when they come on TV? You have to watch. Um, I, I I love watching Ohio State because I think I think Ohio State is what Penn State wants to be. And other than that, uh, real quickly because we got less than a minute here, I would also say Alabama and Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss Lane Kiffin does a lot of crazy stuff down there. He likes to score fifty and sixty points. So those would be a couple teams. He's the Southern cooler version of Jim Harbaugh. My team is Boise State. I love the Smurf turf. Yep, right. I, I I love Kellen Moore. I I love that. Um, obviously Hawaii and Timmy Chang now. Uh, I'm legally not allowed to say that I like watching Ohio State. Uh, my fiance, uh, that goes against everything that I've ever said about the, the, the Ohio State University. Uh, so I can't say that because of family ties. But uh, I love watching Boise State, Hawaii, and I love that college football is back. And thank you, as always, for listening to the We Are Podcasting, DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.